I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And today feedback continued. We extend our series on effective feedback and its critical role within the sports performance and coaching as well as the corporate landscape. But before we go on, stop. If you haven't listened to part one of the series, please go back and listen to the show right now. It's episode 86 if you need to go and seek it out at purplepatchfitness.com. In the episode, we went through defining what effective feedback was and how it fits in to a performance culture. It's critical that we define our relationship with feedback and crystallize that effective feedback is not just about telling someone where they went wrong or messed up. It can be, no, it should be a gift. And it's only with this grounding and appreciation that today's show is going to truly make sense. And so... If you did miss episode 86, I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with you soon. But right now, head back and go and have a listen to that show first. Okay, I think they're gone. Yep, they're gone. Thank goodness, don't you say? Now that it's just us left together, we never really like them anyway. I'm glad it's just me and you. Small groups are so much more effective. Let's get on with the show. Effective Feedback Part 2. Before we get cracking, we've got a couple of things to do. First, a little squad update, and then we're going to do that sing-along thing. So let's start with the squaddy update. This week, a couple of quick call-outs and squaddy updates to help you keep on pulse of where we're at. First, Kona. I think it's worthwhile highlighting a few squaddies that made their way to the Hawaii Ironman World Championships last weekend. What a brutal and magical beautiful beast of a race that is swollen feet sunburn massive dips in fatigue battles to stay focused questioning the chances of even making it and that's just me reviewing my own spectating performance until you've lived it guys it's impossible to appreciate the challenge for the athletes it strips down some of the world's very best athletes including this year a couple of purple patches very best but others shined Justin Reale, 9.52 in his very first Kona outing. Pierre Clos, 9 hours and 34 minutes in his very first Kona. Sean Alexander from Hong Kong, you made it, mate. Hawaii Ironman World Championship. In fact, along with another 20 Purple Patch coached athletes who competed, they all made it. No DNFs. A proud and wonderful coach says a wonderful accomplishment for all. Today... We celebrate the squaddies. Well done to you folks. And where does that leave for the squad athletes for now? Well, we're in the process right now of shifting to what we call postseason. Now we've got a few athletes that are still charging on their race builds towards late season goal races, but the vast majority of athletes right now are in what we call the most critical phase, postseason. It's the phase of preparation and the block of training that so often determines success and big performance leaps next season. And ironically, 
perhaps it's also the phase of training that has the very lowest training load and the greatest leeway for other activities and ventures into regular life. But the primary focus for the squad athletes from now until the end of the calendar year is first technical development specific sessions designed to improve technique and form across all disciplines secondly program strength and conditioning the time to build that strong chassis third preparatory work across disciplines supporting the strength and conditioning with lower stress sessions but work to prep the tissue that's the muscles ligaments and tendons to be ready to absorb and adapt to the tough work coming in the upcoming blocks of work as we want to ramp fitness. It's all delivered with two key thoughts. Number one, ensure that this training carries low cognitive and practical stress. We don't want to be on all the way. At the same time, it creates the backbone so that we're not random. Oh, in performance, I hate that word random. And the second mindset is that we're not actually chasing massive fitness games. Instead, we are preparing for the body for hard work ahead. This means the athletes have much more time for family and other stuff, but we avoid the performance corrosion that comes with random. Oh, that word again. It is a critical, critical phase. But it's also one that comes without pressure or anywhere near the same level of commitment that might be required leading up to racing. It's simply the backbone of specificity embedded to their, quote, time away from high-pressure training. Oh, and of course, the squad is love education. And this phase is all about deep immersion of the why on everything. A highly valuable chance to get behind the scenes and really understand the why in their training and performance journey with both myself and the Purple Patch coaches. As we go through the weeks, I'm going to share a little sneak peek behind the curtain to you guys, the listeners of the show, to give some focus, sessions and education to maybe hope you marinate and even enjoy your own journey a little bit more. Now, of course, if you want the grand reveal Head to purplepatchfitness.com, check out Squad, and we'd love to have you on board, but only if, 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 if we are the right fit for each other. But regardless, in, out of the squad, we still want to drive forward with the show. We move on. We dive into the depths of the ukulele. Barry, I'm ready for you. Let's hit it. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wig. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. And the word of the week this week is bravery and giving. Yes, I know, sort of forcing two words in there, but bravery and giving. High-performance sport can be viewed as cutthroat focused on winning and losing. But the truth is that the beauty of sport can be expressed in various ways. Real bravery, as well as personal sacrifice, was very much in evidence this last weekend at the Hawaii Ironman World Championship. Perhaps it's no surprise that this race is known for its aloha spirit, and it should provide us with so many cases of inspiration. But I want to highlight three episodes of bravery and a little bit of giving. 
that made me smile with admiration this last weekend. In no particular order, here we go. The first, Jen Arnett, a Canadian professional athlete, and I don't know Jen at all personally, but I do know that she's known to be a strong cyclist, and she was heading out on the very early stages of the bike ride, descending the famed Polani Road when a wayward media motorcycle cut her path off. What followed made many a spectator gasp and grimace. A yank on the brakes, allowing a slight slow from probably 35 to 40 miles an hour, she slammed into the motorcycle, catapulted into the air, a big old heap. It, to be frank, looked very, very painful. Surely her race was over with the crash. Well, following a wheel change and a body check, she didn't just get back up, she went on to finish the race, another 111 miles of bike riding and followed by a complete marathon. I just cannot imagine how she felt, but Jen, incredible grit, great resilience, inspirational, very, very brave. The same inspiration came from actually three competitors in the second episode who decided to slow their race and sacrifice to help a stricken athlete. Just a few hundred yards from a finish, a poor athlete suffered complete systemic collapse and we happened to be standing there. She was unable to stand, suffering clearly, and she was destined to fail. Basically, she was not going to finish. She'd made it 140.4 of about 140.6 miles. And yet, she was just about to drop out. As a spectator, so you guys know, we can't get involved. We can't help. We can't support. The three fellow athletes stopped their own race, picked up the athlete and supported them to the finish line. That was a wonderful display of caring and, as we like to say over there, the aloha spirit. Bravo to all for you guys, whoever you are. And finally, to those who respected the race and finished through adversity. The funny thing about the Hawaii Ironman guys is that so many of the professional triathletes end up having incredibly challenging days but many of them stuck with it. And the key concept here is that their failure is so very public. Their dreams long turned to ashes, but so many of them carried on no excuses through respect of the race and their fellow competitors. And it was highlighted and led by Daniela Reef. She's probably the best female Ironman athlete ever. And there she was all day struggling to 13th place. Respect. The great are equally or more great when they're willing to fail and fail so very publicly without excuse. Daniela, great bravery and great giving to the race and your fellow competitors. Team, the power of sport and what it can mean in the context of life. It's an important backbone and a set of lessons that we can and should live our life. But with that, the word of the week this week is bravery and giving. But now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, team, we find our way back to the meat and potatoes and it is part two of our series on effective feedback 
And I think we should start with the cliff notes from part one, the short summary of what we went through. If you remember, in episode 86, we discussed the normal fear of feedback that so many have and how it's critical that we redefine our relationship. I also provided the lesson when effective feedback is provided, it should accomplish two things. Number one, it should relate to the performance plan and mission. And secondly, it should be able to be acted upon. And so therefore, it needs to mean that the recipient will be grateful for that feedback because it is actionable. We also went through and talked about where feedback fits within a cycle of performance culture. And we used Purple Patch Pro Chelsea Sedara as an example, breaking down defining the mission, the pathway to go about accomplishing that mission, and then converting potential to performance. Tip, that's the coachy part and the execution phase for the athlete or employee. So that's where feedback fits in. And then finally, the re-engagement. We must remember that this is cyclical. And the final component we went through, we discussed what effective feedback was, including the key element of trust that powers up how feedback can be given and received. And so with that context, let's dig into this week and let's dig a little bit deeper. This week, we're going to talk about how to actually provide feedback. And I'm going to provide a framework and flow of proper feedback. And then equally as important, albeit a shorter section, we're going to talk about how to receive feedback and how to act on it if, and that's the big word, if it is suitable. Now, remember that as we go through this lesson, the feedback is powerful. It will nearly always elicit a reaction. And we have to remember that it can be positive or negative, depending on the timing, tone, content, and of course, the format that it's delivered in. This means that feedback always wants to create a path of actionable change. What do I mean? Well, let's explain a couple of obviously negative examples. There's absolutely no point me as a coach saying to an athlete with feedback in mind, you're doing great, but if only you had a larger VO2 max, you'd be able to generate much more power. It's not actionable. And equally, a manager telling Bob, Bob, your presentation was great. If only you're a little bit taller, you'd be able to demand more presence in the room. Neither of these are actionable. And so let's go through both providing and receiving feedback. We'll start, of course, with the manager or coach, the person that is providing feedback to the learner. That's the word we're going to use, the learner. It doesn't matter if you're the employee or the athlete, but the chance to actually learn from the gift of feedback. Well, I believe there's typically a process or process to you Americanos, a process to frame things. So the first thing we need to talk about, though, is timing. Timing. This is critical. You only want to provide feedback when the learner is focused and able to listen and understand. So timing is important, and it's also worthwhile to ask what we might call permission. But we should also seek to provide a little bit of clarity 
around the subject, a framework of what you're going to talk about. You see, if you say to someone, Jenny, I've got something very serious to talk to you about post-session, it's not exactly helpful. Jenny is going to worry and panic. What have I done wrong? Oh my goodness, this is really serious. Instead, a heads up and a framing is going to help the learner enter the conversation with a platform of subject recognition. The mission around timing is to provide the right place, the right environment, and to avoid angst or fear. Now, when we think about timing, we then get to move to delivery. We want to avoid at all costs a lecture. We are not a dictator and we're not forcing it down your throat. So we need to aim to get some version of the realization of these five bullet points. First, positive reinforcement trumps negative 99 times out of 100. Positive reinforcement trumps negative. Second, we have to remember failing is learning. That's why we call it the learner. Failing is a learner. Thirdly, you must be consistent. Stick to your standards, your method, and your beliefs. Fourth, the mission is to build confidence in the learner. And so you want to seek small wins. You're not seeking perfection, but at the same time, never, ever lie. The truth is tough, but tell the truth even if it's a tougher conversation. And finally, number five, as the person delivering feedback, I think it's critical that you always believe in best intentions. Consider their side. Look for your ownership. And so, yes, as the person delivering feedback, getting the timing right, asking permission to ensure that they're amiable to receiving it, and giving them a little context is key. But before you start talking, ground yourself. Positivity. Realizing that this is an opportunity for learning for everyone. You must be consistent in your method and your beliefs. And you should be seeking to have an outcome where this delivers confidence. Seek the small wins. Don't seek for absolute perfection. But ultimately, the truth is always the king. And finally... This isn't about you telling someone where they went wrong and you must believe in their best intentions. You must always take the time to come up as you ask your athletes and employees to do and gain perspective and consider their side. What's your role to playing this? Okay, great. This is all lovely. I love the concept of feedback. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to help someone grow and develop and get more confidence. But how do you actually structure that? How do you actually have a framework to draw from for you to go and execute really valuable conversations that elicit growth and action? So I like to have a pretty simple framework. I'm going to share it with you today. Now, of course, when I outline this on this show, so much needs to be morphed to the situation, to the learner themselves, and of course, what needs to be accomplished. But this framework might just help you. 
we tend to go through a five-step process and try and keep this in mind when you're having the conversation or in many ways what we might talk about managing the conversation. So here it is. Get your notepad out. Number one, you need to say the first part of the conversation, specifically what you're going to be discussing and why. This must be succinct and clear. So many people and I'm a victim of this sometimes too, aim to manage the message. But ultimately, what we must realize is that we all thrive with this magic word called clarity. This is what I want to talk about, and this is why, and these are my concerns. Boom. The message must be delivered in a succinct way. Part one, complete. What happens next? Part two, you need to listen. You need to give space as the deliverer of the feedback to allow the learner to respond. We must, if it's going to be effective, appreciate the learner's point of view. And we must do this with an open mind. We're not storing up ammo and getting ready for the next onslaught across the Western Front. We are pausing and we are doing something that's critical. We are listening. We must really try and appreciate the learner's point of view and what their mindset was. Once we have this, we have two things accomplished. We have specifically and succinctly delivered our concerns. At the same time, we've enabled space for the learner to respond. Now what we must do is confirm the understanding of their position. Remember, you're a team. If you are delivering feedback to someone, you want to deliver growth, opportunity, learning, collaboration is central. And so you must make sure that you're aligned in the same way as we talked about being aligned on mission and getting buy-in. When we're delivering feedback, we must, as the deliverer of the feedback, confirm understanding. Now, step four becomes a little nuanced. With that confirmation, it is then critical, remember, good intentions, that we honor their good intention and state your concern. And this is where we open the doorway of collaboration and ultimately have the opportunity to be united on a path to growth. You confirm, you honor the intention, and then you state your concern. Because Remember what we talked about? You must stick to your standards, your methods, and your belief. And so even if it's tough, this is where you state your concern. But it's in the spirit of collaboration and growth, not telling someone where they messed up. And finally, if everything has gone well, it has the opportunity then, step five, to begin to collaborate on change. Do you remember we talked about actionable steps? Well, feedback is only effective if we get to an environment in which we have a chance to collaborate on the change or the growth that can occur. So let me give you an example, and I'll give you a classic example of a mistake that so many endurance athletes make. That's going too hard in the training sessions that are designated as supporting or lighter. So, so many athletes, elite professional, all the way down to newbies, fall into this trap. They end up going too hard in the easy 
and it dilutes the opportunity for the key sessions, the ones that are designed to move the performance needle to really be effective. So let's give you this case study. As a coach, you review Elizabeth's training and you consistently see underperformance in the key sessions. Great performances in these focused and tougher sessions seem random at best. As you review the global training, you see that most of the sessions that you've prescribed to be easier actually look like she's, as we talked about, going too strong. The pace that she's running at is similar to the tough sessions. The heart rates are high. She's reporting that she's tired even during these easy sessions. The pattern is crystal clear to you as you come up and you look across the whole training program. And she is obviously on a pathway to being what we like to call fit and fatigued and also, of course, underperforming racing. As a coach, you need behavior change. So here's one way you could do it. Elizabeth, you are going too hard in the easy sessions. I need you to go easier. Elizabeth's reaction. Well, I don't think I am. I'm just following your plan that you wrote. You are not. I looked at the files and the comments. You're not doing it right. Listen to me. Read the description. You're just simply not going to race well if you keep doing this. So this conversation is either going to continue to spiral or Elizabeth is going to end the conversation and feel muted. She's going to feel like she's failing, but also unheard without a chance to provide point of view. And that first chip in trust and relationship is starting to erode. There is little out of that conversation that is actionable. Now, all you've created is an arena in which Elizabeth is just scared to put a foot wrong. So let's try it a different way. And for this, I'm going to play both. I'm going to play the coach and Elizabeth. Here's how we first ask permission. Elizabeth, I know we've got our Monday at 4pm scheduled to chat. Is it a good time still? I really want to talk to you about the training rhythm and I want us to collaborate on how we align so that we can execute relative to intentions. I think that we've got a chance to improve in this area as a team. So let me know. I want to talk through and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. There you go. Elizabeth knows we're going to talk about training rhythm. We're going to collaborate. There's an opportunity for performance improvement. So on rolls, 4 p.m. Monday. My job to first begin as the coach is remember, specifically state the what and why. Elizabeth, I've been spending some time reviewing the training patterns over the last weeks, and I think we've got an opportunity to improve performance consistency, especially in those key sessions. From reviewing the reports and the data, it's starting to look like to me that the effort and output in the supporting sessions might be diluting those in the key sessions. I'm concerned that the observed pattern doesn't allow best performance when it really counts, so I want to discuss reducing stress of the supporting sessions. And now... I provide Liz a chance to respond. Hmm, you might be right. You know, I'm so excited and nervous to race my first Ironman, and maybe I've just been creeping up the effort in those easier sessions. It's so challenging to go easy, but I didn't really realize it was going to have such an impact on the key days. Confirm my understanding. So 
what I'm hearing is that you're excited and a little bit of worriness of readiness might be leading to chasing some of the tougher sessions on a daily basis. It's really, really common. But this is going to be, Elizabeth, something for us to really align on. We need to make sure that we're drawing the easy down so that you can execute the key stuff really well. The challenge of this approach is that by going too hard in the easy days, it's going to erode your performance potential. Your body just simply doesn't get a chance to adapt, heal or bounce back. You begin to accumulate imperceptible fatigue and, I want to add Elizabeth, there's a heightened risk of injury. But the good news is we can fix it. And I think if we do fix it, you're going to feel a lot better very quickly. And out of that, you're going to feel prepared. So let's align on a few simple fixes. How does that sound? Well, how could it sound to Elizabeth? She says, it sounds great. Look, I just want to be ready. Tell me what to do. Exactly. What we want to do is place your strength which is your enthusiasm, into a pattern that allows acceleration. And ultimately, I'll add, more energy. So let's make it really simple. Let's think about what we can do together. First, it's on me. What I'm going to do, Elizabeth, is I'm going to really call out the key sessions in the plan. And what you should do is all you can do to be ready to perform in those sessions. That means that your mission in the supporting workouts is to never exceed the prescribed intensity. These sessions are there, and this is important to establish in your mind, are only there to help set up those key workouts. Now, what I suggest, Elizabeth, is that we commit to this for three weeks. And then let's review. Let's see whether we've got any improvement in predictability and consistency, and how we're performing in those key sessions. How does that sound? Well, of course, for Liz, super. I'm in. I feel like I've got a job to do. I've got my mission. And then confirm. Look, this is a really positive conversation. And this is a part of the pillar of recovery. This is the recovery process. And it's why I always say it takes courage to recover. You must commit to it and you must be brave. But I believe that you're going to start to feel so much better when you start to improve the execution ability on the key sessions. Sound like a plan? All in. Super. Three weeks. You and me. Onward and upward. Let's go and do it. Let's schedule three weeks where we're going to come up a level and we're going to look at the pattern over those three weeks and we'll start to see how you're feeling from a courage standpoint and what happens from a performance standpoint. Let's get cracking. Of course, you get it. I don't need to go on. What we realize here is that Liz isn't messing up. She's got the best intention. She just needed perspective and education on the why. And then what was required is a pathway to focus and allow execution pretty simple. All fits like a glove. But how about Liz, the recipient? We must also consider how to take or receive feedback. And similar to how we deliver it, it's nuanced. We must say that so much of receiving feedback is dependent on who delivers and how it is delivered. This much is true. 
But it's equally important that we frame feedback globally in the right mindset. To harness its power, we must lean into a magic word, vulnerability. So I challenge you to remember, feedback is a chance for growth. It's a gateway for improvement and ultimately it is a performance enhancement tool if we act on it and utilize. To receive feedback effectively or effective feedback effectively, we must three things. Number one, be humble and vulnerable enough to realize that we don't actually have all the answers and we don't always get things right. Secondly, we must be desperately eager to improve and evolve. And feedback is going to help us get us there. And thirdly, we must be able to appreciate that being given feedback in the areas that we might do better doesn't make one a personal failure. So with those three things in mind, humble and vulnerable, desperately eager to grow, and realizing that getting feedback doesn't mean you're a failure. With these in mind, a few concepts that can help. The first, if the coach or manager has asked permission, set their mindset to be positive, an opportunity to potentially carve open a route to improvement that you probably didn't see there in the first place. Secondly, listen. Really, truly listen. You don't need to be in a place that you prove you're right or come up for a reason of why you're acting or approaching in a certain manner. Instead, aim to give yourself and the feedback a chance to sink in, an opportunity to marinate. Being reactive is common and all that is really understandable. We all tend to do it. But just pause, wait and let it sink in. A little bit of time to let it marinate is going to be positive. And thirdly, if you are receiving feedback, ponder your role. What is your part to play in the process? Because ultimately, what you're doing here is you are seeking an understanding, but you're also seeking a chance to improve. And so what were my actions and what was my role and how can I improve? So this is where vulnerability is incredibly powerful. The best know how to receive feedback for their own benefit and growth. The weak aim to create excuses. Of course, it doesn't always mean that feedback is right and that you should take it on and act on it. But it's only with the above mindset that you can get to truth and the most helpful path forward. So we could go on. But let me pause. You can see more in here than just feedback. You can also see the power of trust, collaboration and shared mission. And so let me close this chapter on feedback with a final reminder. We must remember that the critical component of defining collaboration around mission and the pathway. Feedback both in the delivery and the receipt, must sit under a shared journey between the coach athlete or the manager and employee.
Secondly, we can only provide and receive feedback with clarity of role and focus. By knowing where we're going and what our role in that journey is, we then open up the arena to maximize the effectiveness of feedback. It is with these two things that we are equipped to coach and manage, and we are also equipped to grow from feedback. And remember one final component. I promise you one thing, change. Things change, mindsets change, situations change, even the mission might change. So don't ever, ever, ever be afraid of pausing, coming up for a little bit of reflection. And that is the final phase of the cycle, re-engagement, re-inspiration. This makes up the cycle of performance. And this is where feedback fits in. Not in isolation, but a part of our cycle. Mission, pathway, execution, and of course, re-engagement. The performance environment and the positive addition of effective feedback. Your journey to greatness. So, in that spirit, let us know of your questions and comments. Head to the podcast page, fill out a form. I'm happy to take this journey further. In fact, I'd love to expand this episode. Let me know what you think. Let me know what questions you have. I'll make sure to answer all of your questions. Oh, and speaking of questions, let's do question of the week. This week, as promised, we bring back question of the week. And we love your questions, but we'd like to dig into as we send them. This week, we've got one from Jeff in Wisconsin. Jeff's a runner who's getting primed for his third Boston Marathon in April. And here is the question. Matt, I'm really intrigued on your discussion of postseason and the critical nature of this phase that you called preparatory or a phase of preparation. I've never done anything like this in my running training, nor ever purposefully integrated different sports into the fabric of my training, despite enjoying a little intercross country skiing and riding occasionally. I'm really interested in building in some strength work in the coming months, as well as cross training, as I'm perpetually injured in running. But I always feel like I should skip the cross-country skiing or biking to truly get run ready. Can you give me a few tips for postseason if I'm to get primed for Boston and then later in the year run the Chicago Marathon? Well, let me say a few things here, Jeff. The first is for the vast majority of time-staffed athletes, I believe that a run-only approach, especially if anchored in simply around accumulation and progression of weekly hours and miles, is a suboptimal approach. Ignoring the benefits of things like strength training or the cross-pollination of many of the supporting endurance sports, I think makes means things both stale but also amplifies injury risk. Here's the headline news. 90% of people don't just need to run to be successful in running. Now, the purists are going to poo-poo it. They're going to say, focus on running. But the truth is that many of the purists are just limited by their own run experience and the confines of tradition and the inability for them to ultimately create solutions and approaches that are delineated from the approaches of time-rich professional runners. So be courageous, think outside of the box, be patient, be creative. For you to be successful, 
I think that you've got to have a program that allows these key elements. Number one, consistent specific training that integrates into life. So yes, obviously running needs to be a huge component. It has enough running program to develop run-specific muscle resilience, but we also need to develop a platform of cardiovascular conditioning and muscular resilience that's going to enable successful marathon performance. And guess what? That doesn't have to be all running. And finally, we need to maintain your health and your mental attention to enable passion to continue to flow. This should not be a second job. And so with that in mind for postseason, I think it's a great time for you to have some more fun, a little bit more low stress running. And a lot of your running should be, if possible, soft surface trail running. I wouldn't actually chase run fitness overtly. Lots of shorter runs to build tissue integrity. Forget the speed work, integrate some walking you shouldn't carry any bad fatigue-induced steps. With this opportunity, you have the chance to then, what we would say, build the chassis, a real strength program designed for core stability, joint mobility and support, posture and strength. And then finally, mix it up. You're going to get a whole bunch of wonderful resilience and some extra cardiovascular conditioning from sports like cross-country or skate skiing, riding, especially low cadence and strength-based riding, and even elements like elliptical or rowing machine, if you like that type of stuff. You're going to run enough, but you'll develop in many ways. And it's a heightened opportunity for you to remain healthy and develop the frame. And then when you do progress close to the races, yes, running comes to the front of the priority but you can build it up without turning your back on strength or the supporting supports. Your frame is going to be ready to absorb more running. Your systems and muscles can develop fitness and resilience that carries into your running. And every time you run, you've got an opportunity to make the running count. Your highly specific sessions drive you forward in that element, but you have the supporting cast to make you globally a better athlete. Now, Jeff, I have no doubt that you will feel underrun compared to your norm. But I also have strong confidence that this doubt will begin to drift away as soon as you see your old run times begin to improve and your confidence and trust in yourself evolve. So I hope it goes well. And I'll add one thing. Watch this space. There's going to be a lot more to come from Purple Patch in the approach to multidisciplinary approach to great running. But for now, I hope it helps. Folks, that's it. The end of a meaty show. I hope you enjoyed. And remember, feedback is a gift. One to be given in context and with great care. And one that should be received not out of fear, but a chance for improvement. What do they say? It takes two to tango. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcasts link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget... 
You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers. Cheers.